This evening, the faithful all over the world are celebrating the ancient rites of Holy Thursday, the Mass of the Lord's Supper, the stripping of the altars, the rite of the washing of the feet. The technical term for this last rite, the washing of the feet, is the mandatum. The word comes directly from tonight's gospel, mandatum novum da vobis ut diligatis invicem sicut delixe vos, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Benedictines, monks, nuns, oblates are likely to associate the mandatum with chapter 53 of the rule of St. Benedict which says that the abbot and monks should wash the feet of all the guests. This part of the rule is generally overlooked in most Benedictine monasteries in favor of other forms of hospitality, and this is purely for practical reasons. When guests arrive at the door, it can be rather clumsy to ask them to take off their footwear so their feet can be washed. But I can think of one monastery where chapter 53 is observed. In the early 80s, I lived for two years in Quebec, not far from the abbey of Saint-Benoît-sur-du-Lac. It's a house of the Solemn Congregation. Guests who stayed in the abbey guest house and those who were invited to join the community for the main meal at noon lined up just inside the refectory the abbot holding a pitcher of water, the prior with a bowl, and the guest master carrying a towel would pass down the line washing the hands of the guests. Now, St. Benedict says that the feet of the guests should be washed, but washing hands is not an unreasonable adaptation. To quote Chesterton, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. The point is that here was a Benedictine community doing what the rule says at the time and place it says to do it in the refectory before the meal and, and in the context of that meal. And the chief minister of this simple rite was the abbot because the superior of a Benedictine monastery, the abbot or the abbess, the prior or the prioress, presides over the community liturgy and meals and in effect presides over the whole life of the community as the living icon of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this monastery, we do the mandatum on Holy Thursday during the evening meal in the refectory, just as St. Benedict says, a pitcher of water, a bowl, and towels are set out in front of the high table, and the monastic community, together with guests, uh, have their feet washed by the prior. And afterwards, we share a festive meal to celebrate that on this night of nights, our Lord instituted the sacraments of the Eucharist and the priesthood. Whatever the, wherever the rite is placed, in the church or in the refectory, we should be thinking what the deeper meaning of the action is. And that takes us back to the Gospel of John, where it is originally mentioned. Unlike the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John's Gospel has no institution narrative at the Last Supper. His Eucharistic theology is found in chapter 6, the Bread of Life discourse. Instead, at the Last Supper, St. John gives us the mandatum, Jesus 
humble action of washing his disciples' feet. In the cultural world view of the first century Judea, this service was considered so menial, so profoundly distasteful, that even the lowest household slave could not be required to do it. One wonders how podiatrists back then made their living. As it happens, this tiny factoid about first-century Jewish culture helps us understand how uncomfortable, perhaps shocked is the better word, the disciples must have been as the Lord Jesus slowly made his way around the paschal table from one apostle to the other and probably crawling on his hands and knees with water, bowl, and a towel. So Peter speaks for all of them, and I think we can understand why, when he refuses to have the Lord wash his feet. St. John, who was present at that memorial meal, or that memorable meal, wrote his gospel and saw that there was a direct link between Jesus' odd behavior at table on Holy Thursday and the cross on Good Friday, and though we ourselves might not catch that connection or implication. On the calendar, Holy Thursday and Good Friday appear as two separate days, 24 hours apart. In fact, they are theologically and liturgically one single reality. They have the same theological meaning, and they form one single liturgy together with the vigil of Holy Saturday and the Mass of the Resurrection of Easter Sunday morning. To see Jesus wash his disciples' feet is to see him crucified. And to see him crucified is to see him wash his disciples' feet. It is to understand how he could give himself totally in the Eucharist and on the cross on Calvary. Here we get a glimpse, however brief, into the hidden depths of God's own inner life as self-sacrificing love. Christ's death on a cross, freely given, like the mandatum itself, is an act of humble service for the salvation of the world. One of the traditional hymns sung in Catholic churches on Holy Thursday is Ubi Caritas et Amor, where charity and love are, God is there. But certain early manuscripts show another reading, Ubi Caritas et Vera, where charity is true, God is there. Where charity is true, nothing is loved in the abstract, nothing loved in theory. No one and nothing loved from a distance. The actions of the Lord Jesus uh, on the Last Supper and Good Friday are not merely pious, sentimental feelings about love for human beings. We all know from our own personal experience that there's a difference between talking about love and actually doing the hard work of giving and receiving love. God's goodness and love is always expressed in concrete, tangible acts of loving self-sacrifice. And you can't get much more concrete or physical than washing feet on a Thursday evening and dying on a cross on a Friday afternoon. <laughs>